Hi and welcome to the Msingi Talks podcast, a podcast hosted by Msingi Trust. This podcast ventures deeper into issues of faith, advocacy, activism, and makes connections between these worlds. Psalms 89.14 states that justice and righteousness are the foundation of God's throne. And here we unpack how the church, as the body of Christ and institution, can faithfully embody justice and righteousness in both word and deed. Karibuni and let's do justice. Hello, this is a trigger warning that the following episode contains content of female genital mutilation, domestic violence and extrajudicial execution. This is also a three-part episode, so tune in in the following weeks for parts two and three. And this is what I find very interesting in the cultural aspect is that Mm -hmm. when women say that a man is my child, Mm -hmm. as many say, it is so that I protect them, I, they are they, it's so that I serve them and serve them diligently. And mm-hmm. the way we say that a man is your firstborn. Carol, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and, and thank you. I disagree. I disagree completely. But we say that so that you take care of you. You take care. Yes. But when men say that women are like children, it's so that they can beat you up. Yes. And it's because they've demoted you mm-hmm. and because they've um mm-hmm. it is it is interesting you say that Caro, and I think that is the reason I'm not married mm-hmm. and, and 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 um and and I say that without batting my eye i eyelids one minute um it's 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 interesting uh, that uh men think of women as uh children. In some communities, in my own culture, in Kalenjin culture, uh, a man walks into a home and he asks, where are the children? He's not asking about the children, children that you know. He's asking mm-hmm. about women plus children. And we also saw that in the Bible, that women are not even counted and their testimonies are not valid because they are yeah. like children. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, every time I listen to women talking about my hubby, my hubby, my hubby, and mm-hmm. mothering men, eh, yes. eh, and uh, you know how how women going through counseling are taught you know to be able to make sure that their men's clothes are are clean they know where the socks are because when men are left in the house they cannot even locate a pair of socks you know i that is really women have mothered men first of all they were mothered by their mothers and their grandmothers and then they are handed over to other women to continue to 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 to, to mother them because they are children uh, but when it comes to uh, decision making, then women are children. Okay. Children. Yes. Women are children, and I have to make decisions for them, and I have to beat them up because they are like children; they cannot think. And, and then, al- and and then also another aspect is that to show them that you love them, you yes. beat them. You beat them, and women ask yes. for it. Yes. I, have, I was told the other day women ask for to be beaten. If if you he, as for letter kisirani, then he doesn't love you. So where una letter kisirani do uchapwe. which translates a man that does not beat you up does not love me so so you see you see how we have so internalized this that it is within our deep psyche that uh we no longer even interrogate violence as harming a woman 
we look at it as in terms of uh, an expression of love, which I think is extremely unfortunate. Yeah, it is. It's, it's extremely broken. unfortunate. Uh, it's really a broken society. So there's a very big link between, first of all, religion and uh, gender-based violence, and religion and sexual violence. But there is also a very big uh, uh, connection and intersection between religion faith and violence don't forget carol that religion and culture are you know uh, uh, one side of the same two sides of the same uh, coin yes yeah uh, and both justify both justify even in the bible when you look at the language in the bible uh, there's just so much violence in the bible itself uh, tamar was raped by her own uh, stepbrother uh, mm. esther uh, was really asked to use her body to be able to uh, you know, uh, get favors. And, you know, you, then you come across women talking, oh, I belong to Queen Esther generation. Esther is a role model, you know, and, and all these things. And I'm asking, do we ever sit down and interrogate some of those things? But, but Dr. I, I think also that for me, if you, if when I read the book of Esther, my mm. hero is Vashti. Yes. Thank and you. So, <laughs> my <laughs> My hero is Vashti. Yes. And, and I think, and I want to enter into now the role of religion in mm. gender-based violence is because mm. we've been taught, because we've been taught to, there's a book I really want to one day own. And mm. I love the synopsis of it. It's called Vindicating the Vixens. Mm. And so it looks at all the bad women of the Bible, quote unquote, mm. and then speaks into the reality that made them do what they needed to do mm -hmm. and and so when we have um a patriarchal reading of scripture mm -hmm. without understanding the the context without humanizing the women mm -hmm. what and we we agree from the offset that the the culture the society in which the text of scripture that we read now was very patriarchal right. so in our present culture and so is the church that mm. we will we that we agree mm. but then there are redeeming stories in those scriptures there are redeeming stories in our histories mm. of women mm. who we are never told because they are bad women right and me bad i love, me i love bad women because bad I, women they are bad for a reason <laughs> because they refuse to negotiate Yes. And become gatekeepers of patriarchy. And that yes. is why even uh, the people uh, who wrote the Bible, these people we keep being told they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. uh, very selectively decided they wanted nothing to do with the bad girls. Yeah. Because bad girls, are, uh, 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 they, they rock the boat. Mm -hmm. They are trouble boosters. Yeah. So let's speak about the good girls. So I mm. think you and I should write a book about good and bad girls. I have seen yeah. books, good Muslim, bad Muslims. Can we also now have good girls and bad girls in yeah. the Bible? Yeah. And, 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 and this, you know, just have conversations around, you know, uh, patriarchal selection of mm. who, who are these girls that we model. Yeah. Who, who are these girls? And you know, I'm, I'm always really surprised by the way uh, uh, African people are looking for these models in the Bible without interrogating the context. Mm. 
the context, which is not mm -hmm. different uh, from our own patriarchal context. Yeah. So we, we, we need to interrogate that uh, very clearly at some point in our, it is in our bucket list, we will do that at some yeah. point. Uh, There's also, I, I know this point will, will run away if I don't say it, but yes. also there's a, there's a way now, even our very matriarch, uh, our very egalitarian cultures have now turned patriarchal. Because mm -hmm. if you look at, um, let me use the Kikuyu for example, Mm -hmm. the the house of mombi mm -hmm. has 10 daughters mm -hmm. which which was equal that we are both of gekoyo and we are both we are both of gekoyo and mombi mm -hmm. but now you look at the re re reemergence of kikuyu culture mm -hmm. the place of woman is no longer there mm -hmm because you're using, and the arguments that they're using, mm -hmm. they're using head of household arguments, mm -hmm. which is Christian and many, and which is Christian and which is also, we will talk about complementarian and egalitarian um, inter interpretations of scripture, mm -hmm. but they're using, they, I think patriarchy cherry picks with whatever of whatever system benefits mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. so that they continue um, oppressing. And mm -hmm. so they, they've chosen the head of the head narrative and mm -hmm. put it in the Kikuyu culture, where mm -hmm. now women are just now even going back to FGM. Right, right. I have seen that. Yeah. Yes. And women have no say. The, mm -hmm. Like if you're following this culture, this mm -hmm. now renewed culture, women have no say. Mm -hmm. The woman's place has really is, is nowhere. Yes, and uh, I have been having these conversations uh, with men. Eh? Um, and, and I will come to that. Um, but let me just say, Carol, that the saddest thing for me as a feminist scholar is the loss of matriarchy in the Kikuyu mm. community, in the Ekan communities of Ghana, and all mm. those communities that were uh, matriarchal and women held power and yeah. uh, uh, were the heads of their homes. I mean, uh, it's, it's really just sad how that changed completely. And now we have this rule of fathers, um, mm. a patriarchal system that is extremely oppressive uh, to women. I, and I just really do not know how we could ever recreate uh, that again. Anyhow, I think it is lost forever. But let me say something as an, as, as a, as an academic based on research is that uh, a colonialism and mm. Christianity are very yeah. highly patriarchal uh, faith is mm. responsible for part of the loss of matriarchy in African cultures. Mm. Women were in a much, much better place before yeah. uh, the advent of colonialism, before the advent of modern education as, we, as it was, as we know it today. And I think yeah. the work of the circle of concerned women theologians and Esther would speak about that so much better than myself yeah. because I'm not a theologian. Mm. Uh, but there is both anecdotal 
evidence as well as uh, uh, research evidence that showed that women's position in society was so much better before the mm -hmm. advent of old Christianity. Colon Let me use the word colonial Christianity. Uh, mm -hmm. And I know I'll run into trouble for saying that. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and, um, and, and um, patriarchy, because you know, both of them are really very, very inter interrelated. But you yeah. know, part of what I have noticed, and this is uh, bringing me back to your second uh, point, if, if you notice what has been happening in the last uh, three or four years, there's an mm. emergence of very toxic masculinity. Yes. Very, very uh, sort of dangerous masculinities in which, uh, which is a direct uh, challenging of feminism, which I'm not even sure that many Kenyan men understand feminism. They have simply inherited a definition and, and a, uh, a normalization of feminism as something that hates men. Yeah. And, and every man I know who is not academic and is not uh, for gender equality is just mm. thinking that women are too empowered in this country. And now let us have a mm. movement for men. Mm. Uh, in which we are going to put women in their place. And Carol, this mm. is extremely organized. It started as a joke with the men conference. Yes. Uh, and I didn't know about the when the men conference started, I was in America and uh, I, my son and I are having conversation and he tells me, ma'am, ma'am, you are looking for me and all men have gone for the male conference. They are not available today. I said, how come, mm. what is that? I, because I thought it was a real conference, he told me no, it's an imaginary conference. Uh, mm. And uh, Kibor, um, yeah. Kibor is the chairperson of the men conference. And so yeah. we have laughed about that. We have followed the men conference on Valentine's Day. And, 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 and look at it, it is created to coincide with Valentine's Day and yeah. the role of capitalism in mm. romantic relationships. Yeah. has also been uh, roped in. And, and, mm. and since, since then, the last couple of years, I'm not able to put a tap to when it really began, but there's mm -hmm. a resurgence of men saying not women uh, and gender equality. Yeah. We now are seeing resurgence of a, a female genital mutilation in communities that killed it completely in the 1940s yes. and 50s. And now mm -hmm. we are seeing people going back to uh, female genital mutilation and women mm -hmm. are helpless. If they are not helpless, they are part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. I have seen women who are advocating for female genital mutilation in Kikuyu land. Yeah. So, so there is something emerging and I was having conversation with uh, you know, young men uh, in the last couple of uh, weeks just to try to make sense of where is this tussle? Where is this uh, bickering? Where is this, um, is, is, is this coming from? There's so much verbal violence towards women now on social mm. media and in reality, perpetrated by a 
a sort of a group of men that are saying, okay, we've heard too much about feminism. We have heard too much about women empowerment. And now we are going to see it. And it is systematically created in such a way that women are being told, okay, you want to be the head of the house. Okay, you have everything you need. You will see me in the evening and I live in the morning, the home is your sphere. I am going out and I will employ all men and I will do uh, all things men. I want nothing to do with women. And we are having men with money systematically refusing to engage women. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and that is emerging, has not been studied, but it is a move that is emerging very seriously. It started mm -hmm. as a joke with men conference, but now we are seeing an entrenchment of toxic, dangerous masculinities in which now relationships are looked through one violence two mm. through capitalism the eyes of capitalism even the whole conversation around uh, sending fair mm. uh -huh. yeah. sending fair yes. and the role of fair uh, uh, and could, the, could and, you explain it could you explain it to people who do not understand what that means um, so I also really do not understand. I mean, the generation that is, uh, you know, only can observe that. Uh, mm -hmm. But I have always wondered about this story of sending fair as mm -hmm. a sort of a transactional relationship in which women are saying, if you want me to come and uh, mm -hmm. give my body to you, you must pay for me to get into uh, an Uber or a Matatu or a Pikipiki to come to you, okay? It mm -hmm. is no longer about love. It mm -hmm. is that now sex is a medium of capitalism. Women are making sure they are milking men to that. They feel like they cannot give uh, what they have. It has to be commercialized. I find it very interesting. I find it very scary at the same time. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, it's also about exploitation of uh, entrance. It, it's not just exploitation, but also there's, people are having very transactional relationships. Mm -hmm. it, it's no longer prioritizing love. Eh? Mm -hmm. uh, it, is, uh, it, is, it is about transaction. It's a transaction. Romantic yeah. relationships are now basically a transaction. Yeah. I think, I think one, um, the, the, the sending fair phenomenon, mm. it has a reason from when a woman says, or maybe you're having a conversation and it's normally guy, guy says, guy is told, if you want to come see me, mm -hmm. please send me fair. Me, I was not planning on coming to see you. So mm -hmm. if I don't have bus fare, please mm -hmm. send me bus fare. Mm -hmm. But then the, the expectation that once he sends you bus fare mm -hmm. is that, that she will come mm -hmm. and you will have sex. Yes. And it's not, and so they, they say, no one just sends you fair for fair's sake. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to, I like, really, do I really want to see you? That's mm -hmm. not, right. Is that, I, that's not, I'm not just wanting to see you. I'm wanting us to have sex together. Right. And so that's, that's the one aspect of it. But mm -hmm. also the other aspect is, I feel women are, are saying, if it has to cost you, Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's big. When, however you look at it, it's transactional. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, what do I get out of this from mm -hmm. both sides? Right. Yeah. 
Right, and and it is it is sad when a society now uh, when relationships are pegged on uh, mm. on capitalism that uh, outside of capitalism love cannot happen. Yeah, for me it is tragic. Yeah, yeah. Singi is a Swahili word meaning foundation. Our name and mandate comes from Psalms eighty nine fourteen. We host engaging conversations on faith, social justice, and advocacy across all our social media platforms. We also offer training and consultancy services to help you navigate the world of social justice and faith. To engage with us, visit our website www.msingitrust.org, follow us on all our social media handles at msingitrust or email us on info at msingitrust.org. How do we love in the in the in the era of gender-based violence? How do we how do we love? Um, and then also, I want us to talk about that very um, question of has the boy child been left behind? Mm. And the rise of people on Twitter like uh, Cyprian Yakundi, who's mm. now the famous one who's trending every Saturday, called Americs, yeah. and the they they are coming from the space that the boy child has been left behind mm -hmm. that there's the as we said the feminization of of the of the country and of the world mm -hmm. and why and even when there was with the current uh, supreme court nominee mm -hmm. there was an actual uproar that there will be a female supreme chief chief justice Mm -hmm. and there will be a female deputy justice. Mm. Do you know there was an APRO? I know, and it shocked me. So, so has uh, the boy child been left behind? So let me answer first of all, how do we love? Mm. I don't know how we can love anymore. I, uh, in my generation, love was a natural thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was not a transactional relationship. There was mm -hmm. no fear. Uh, you met, you saw, you fell in love, and, and that was it. And uh, both of you struggled to pay fair to meet, you know, and uh, and have a conversation. So I don't know how people can love, but I think uh, for me, I think we have we become a viciously uh, capitalist society where even intimate relationships cannot happen outside of money, outside mm. of capitalism. Yeah. I think also the slay queen phenomenon, mm. uh, and and I think Oyunga Pala addresses that uh, very critically a few years back uh, when he wrote about uh, you know socialism and uh, the slay queen uh, phenomenon in which uh, uh, women now uh, sell sex as the currency that they traffic. I think has contributed a great deal. So so we we no longer just want to have human relationships. We want to have human relationships with benefits. Mm. And, and I think there is a lot of uh, conversation that needs to happen uh, between uh, you know, faith-based organization and the youth in this country mm. about you know, what happened to authentic love. How yeah. is it that we have now centralized money in the center of relationships? Mm. Can't love happen outside of uh, capitalism? So that's a question for the audience to be able to engage in. Uh, yeah. but it's a very scary thing for me. The boy child. Mm. Carol, I'll I'll speak, and I'm sorry if I sound very academic and very abstract. Yeah. Research. There is no anecdotal 
evidence and I would know mm. if there was that yeah. seriously show that the boy child has been left behind. Yeah. There is no anecdotal, there is no uh, anecdotal evidence, there is no evidence-based research that shows that the boy child has been left behind. Mm. What we see is tensions around the boy child. We have seen uh, tensions around uh, boys. Uh, there is a crisis of youth in Central, and that uh, you know people even made politics about that. It's not on, only a Central uh, uh, Kenya situation; it is a national situation. Yeah, boy children are struggling for various reasons mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with feminism. Yes. or that women have left men behind. Mm. It is the absolute absence of men mm. in the lives of their sons that is one of the biggest reasons that we are having children, male children, uh, um, reflecting a lot of tensions with drugs, with sex, with alcoholism, with the delinquency, uh, identity issues, masculinities issues. Mm -hmm. Men, fathers in this country have simply abdicated their roles. Yeah. Kenya, according to research, and I wrote a paper titled Praying for Husbands that was published by Palgrave Macmillan and is mm -hmm. one of my most cited and downloaded articles mm -hmm. in which the number of single women in Kenya Mm -hmm. And when I talk about singlehood, I'm talking about single moms, I'm yeah. talking about widows, I'm uh, talking about women who are not able to get uh, uh, into intimate, uh, secure relationships. Mm. The statistics are so damning that I think uh, one study, sociological research that was undertaken between colleagues at the University of Nairobi, and I think it, you, can, you can get that in the... Uh, online and uh, one university in Canada showed that uh, I think, uh, I, I don't want to mislead uh, uh, the, the, our, our, our listeners, but in one scenario, I think over 54% of Kenyan women are single. Mm. And, and, and Carol, we can check that again so that I'm not misrepresenting facts because I'm an academic. We, we say facts as they are. Uh, yeah. But it's been long since I did that. But what came out for me in that research is the extremely high number of single moms yeah. raising children alone. Yeah. We, we, we saw that uh, this week in the story of Hamo and Jemutai. Yes, yeah. Men are hiring children and mm. they abandon them, abandon them in the hands of women who struggle and break their backs raising their children. But it is not even just the economics of raising children. Certainly, raising children is extremely expensive, but the lack of role models, the father figure, uh, men are not speaking to their, you know, having a relationship with their sons, telling them how to be men, how to treat women, how to, uh, you know, navigate this and that situation, how to date, how to treat a woman right. So uh, the, the, the conversation in Kenya has turned that against women, blaming mm. women for the tensions around the male child. And we have Nyakundi, we have Gisiora, 
um, you know, uh, releasing memos from the desk of men. Um, we have all these men purporting to speak for the right of the boy child who has been left behind, which is not supported by research, but mm. occupies three quarters of the conversation in this country. But yeah. that has not been located within the absence of men, men abdicating their roles as fathers, but has been blamed on social, uh, uh, on, on single women who are blamed for being single and nobody is asking why are nearly 54%, if we finally discover that that is the figure, I'll send it to you immediately. Uh, yeah. uh, why, why are women uh, uh, heads of their households why are they raising children alone? And what is going on with those children? Where are the men? Let yeah. somebody ask me that question, answer me that question before yeah. you can't throw it on my face every day that the boy child has been left behind. Come on, give me evidence-based data that, yeah. that boys have been left behind. Don't just engage in useless, divisive conversations. Give mm. us evidence-based data to show us that boys have been left behind. If it, when we come to gender equality in education, it is almost at par. Yeah. In certain areas, in areas where I come from, girls are still so, so much behind. I mean, for us to attain gender parity when it comes to education in mm. pastoralist region, it is a pipe dream. But yeah. in universities, in many parts of the country, except for pastoralist and struggling areas, you have almost the same number of boys as, as girls. Have you seen, even when the results are out, <laughs> It's a problem when girls are the ones who are leading, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. It's problematic. <laughs> and then you don't even look at the larger statistics at hand. You can have number one to ten right. with six girls and four right. boys. Mm -hmm. But then it's a problem when it's six girls. Right. We want, we want four girls, six boys. Yes. I think that's what yes. we always want. We always want for, for boys to at least be at... Ahead, ahead, mm -hmm. but you know, but you know, the thing that makes me upset about this boy child conversation mm -hmm. is that we don't, we don't talk about the real killers of young men in this society. Thank you. Thank you. Thank don't you, talk Carol. because one, it's alcoholism, mm -hmm. then it's lack of of um of resources people mm -hmm. young kids are unemployed and so they they slip into alcoholism and depression and mental health then there is extrajudicial executions the mm -hmm. rate at which men are killed young men are killed by police mm -hmm. is staggering and so for me if you are and you see you we can see that is targeted to young men right if we see, if you're really pro young men, mm -hmm. talk about extrajudicial executions. If you're really pro young men, talk about um, unemployment, talk mm -hmm. about alcoholism, talk about corruption, because corruption is the one that's killing our young men and young women. Absolutely. Talk about patriarchy, because on the other hand, we need to, to, to discuss about how patriarchy is very harmful for young men. 
right right you, and i want you to talk about that how what what harm does patriarchy do to young men yes absolutely carol you are so right uh, all these men shouting that the boy child has been left behind do not in any single conversation engage carol with all the social structural issues that yeah. you have raised mm -hmm. uh, social justice issues that you have raised nobody is talking about i'm a professor carol i'm graduating chunking out graduate after graduate every year yeah. whom the job market cannot absorb yeah the children that are getting job boys and girls are children of the people who own kenya yes and people whose parents have both social and capital and political power yeah and the children of the proletariat the children of the poor and the vulnerable both boys and girls are mm. wallowing up for some reasons girls are able to navigate that mm. And probably there are biological reasons that uh, uh, you know science might might be able to tell us. Uh, can because I, uh, can I hop in and, and tell you why I think why I think so? It's yes. because from young, from when I was seven years old, I was mm. taught to 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 work. I was taught to wash dishes. I was yes. taught to make do. I was mm -hmm. taught to cook, clean, uh, wash clothes right. from seven years old and so i've been taught to do so you have the skills yes. to navigate life outside of your mother's house yes we were prepared girls are prepared uh, and again that is also the social uh, patriarchal arrangement uh, and and and, and uh, this is where patriarchy now hurts men yeah Carol, men young men in this country cannot cook to save their own lives yep there are communities where culturally a boy entering the kitchen is a taboo. Yes. And eating is a natural thing for life and health. Yes. But because patriarchal had made arrangements that women are there for the service of men and boys, mm -hmm. uh, those, those boys are unable to do uh, one or two. They lack the skills to cook, to wash, to clean after themselves. Mm. And that is why in campus I teach in a university where when girls come to campus, first year girls, boys look for wives to wash for them. Yes. They are campus wives to wash, mm. to cook, and to clean for them as they continue with their education. Because patriarchal has made us in the service and servitude of men. So patriarchal is very harmful to men in the mm. sense that it does not even offer them the skills uh, some of them are even taken to uh, uh, cultural rights where uh, you have to keep secrets and you have never to do things that women do because you become feminized. Mm. And, and, and those men, and also the gendering of uh, roles, chores, household chores. Yeah. It's girls who do the household chores while boys are actually learning. Eh? So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Come on, because you are saying men have been left behind. When girls are cooking and washing utensils, boys are reading. Yeah. For examinations. Mm -hmm. Except it's now in individual homes like myself, where both my son and my daughter are equal, and they do equal chores. Mm. How many homes do that? So, so patriarchy, patriarchy in itself, which is which is a system created by men, has caught up with them. 
Mm. And now they do not blame the very systems they created. They blame women. Yeah. And it's, man, that, that is true. But also we realize that you can, you don't cook at home, but mm-hmm. you can cook at work because you look at the chefs when the it's paid when it's paid labor uh-huh. it's for men but Absolutely. when it's free labor it's for women and 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 women's uh free labor that breaks their back yeah has no value yeah. in a society it is slavish but when yeah. men have to perform the same patriarchal chores like mm-hmm. being a chef because yes. and we need to interrogate why are chefs women men in this country and yet yeah. they cannot cook in the house i need someone to answer th- that to me but yeah. because it is paid labor labor it has value yeah. it is respected but carol you know the same man will go home and demand that the wife cooks for him i have can i tell you something and i i have a friend um uh, a friend a neighbor who who gave birth, who gave birth via CS and day three, by day three, the husband had said, I don't want to eat the household's food. Oh, thank you. How wonderful. How wonderful. I would send him to his mother to go and uh, eat from his mother. You see, and, and Carol, this is what we are losing. Um, it, it, is, it is very unfortunate. Uh, what uh, capitalism and, and, and modernity and, uh, you know, uh, us living our cultures has done to us. It used to be that when a woman gave birth, watch out as yes, Carol, you mm. gave birth, people have no idea what childbirth does to a woman's body. She yeah. needs veterans, she mm. needs help, and other women and her husband were there to support her. In my own culture, women mm. cooked for you, washed the baby, cleaned up the house, massaged your body and massaged the women, uh, you know, took care of your bones, gave you soup, your husband slaughtered for you uh, for three months until mm-hmm. you regained the strength. But here you are telling me, Carol, that a man after three days, a woman has gone through CS. I am mm. tired of eating the house house girl's food i mean how inhuman can you be yeah so 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 these are the issues that we want to engage these men who keep shouting to us that uh, feminism is bad and that the man the boy child is uh, uh, you know is 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 under siege we want mm-hmm. to engage these men and we want to have a conversation with these men so that we don't just speak you know things from our heads yeah. We want to, to see things that are anchored in research that, you know, uh, we, we can have. And, and these conversations don't need to be contested. They don't yeah. have to be violent conversations. Mm. We need to have to speak to each other and find out where did we go wrong. But before you start talking about uh, feminism, talk about the state. Yes. And what it has done to completely kill the boy child the masculinization of work and, mm. uh, and and how men cannot find work and and then the people at the tail end of their frustration when they are not able to find a livelihood a means of livelihood it is women mm. they are the people who bear the brand of a terrible state a corrupt state a state that cannot absorb our graduates, a state that cannot look at the many kids with talents and innovations and give them an opportunity, a state 
that is engaged in extrajudicial killing and disappearance of young men. Where are these men who talk about the boy child is and a siege who cannot engage the state as number one, the people that have created the kind of young man that we see today in the Kenyan society. And kind of after that, I would like to speak about the uh, uproar around the uh, female chief justice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was one of the women who were extremely excited about uh, the possibilities of one of us having the first ever female uh, chief justice since independence in Kenya. Not, yeah. not only because she's a woman, but also because of the significance of that appointment to women yeah. in this country and young girls, the role yeah. modeling. Um, you know, Karo, I'm very big at role modeling. Yes. Uh, and, 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 and for a long time in this country, young girls struggle to see who is a role model except their mothers. And, and every girl, her mother, her auntie, her sister, is their role model mm -hmm. and uh, what 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 excited me so much about the possibility of having uh, the first female uh, chief justice is 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 you know what that meant for mm -hmm. not just our country but for gender equality yeah. for young girls and women for mm -hmm. our daughters in schools but mm -hmm. also for gender equality in this country mm -hmm. What shocked me is how they tribalize this thing. And mm -hmm. uh, people who have always spoken against tribalism, uh, we just realized that uh, gender issues are also tribal. Please tune in for part three next week. If you've been inspired, challenged, and or enjoyed this conversation and would like to contribute to this and catch up with more of such, remember to follow us on social media at Musingi Trust Share this podcast with your friends and family and also consider making a donation to support the production of this podcast. Donations can be made through PayPal, msingikenya at gmail.com, Patreon at msingikenya or through M-Pesa plus 254-792-176-030. Kwaherini and thank you for joining us.